Hi, welcome to the Minority Money Podcast with our dad, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, the best dad in the whole world. You know why we think he's the best? Because he teaches us stuff, good stuff about life and money. We know you will love him as much as we do. So, so let's, let's get, get on, on with, with the, the show. show. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, founder and president of Gen Next Wealth, a fee-only financial planning and investment firm. We are continuing our month of education for the entire month of February, and I hope you guys have really enjoyed this. We have been getting some excellent feedback from our listeners about how we've been going through these episodes. So please ask, continue to give us that feedback, whether you're doing it on iTunes or you're sending us an email, all that stuff is very, very encouraged. And I think personally, the guests have brought it every time. So I'm not putting any pressure on this guest. <laughs> I've kind of followed this guy. We met on Twitter, which Twitter is where I'm at all the time. So we met on Twitter and shot him a DM and he was nice enough to come on. So today we are going to be blessed by Dr. Sean Woodley. Sean, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you coming on. Emlyn, thank you for having me, man. I know as a host of a podcast myself, I know that this is sacred space and you have to really be careful with who you share your platform with. So I appreciate you having me and thinking enough of me and my work to have me as be a part of this. I love the energy, man. I love what you do. The message is important. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it's always good to have a fellow podcaster on and someone that I could look to in this specific areas. Like I, I was like, when I was looking for someone in education, I was like, how can I not have you on? Like, <laughs> like I had to have you on. So thanks for coming on. And I just want to ask you to give the listeners a little background about yourself and how you got started in education and any other fun facts that you want the listeners to know. Sure. Well, let's see. I was born by a river. Now, let me stop. Um, <laughs> I've been in education going on now 14 years. I graduated from Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. I'm a proud HBCU graduate, and I did a five-year program. And upon completion of that, I entered into the workforce and a year later started teaching and having turned back. I loved it. I taught in urban schools at the K-12 level for 10 years. And then now I've been a college professor now for going on four years. And I'm also a speaker. I do consulting work with schools and school districts to help specifically with classroom management and student engagement in urban and culturally diverse areas. That's a high level overview of who I am. I like it because we've gotten into the weeds a little bit, which I think we will do as we go on. But we don't want to give all the listeners everything up front. Can't we give them everything up front. Yeah, you got to listen to the whole episode. We're going to leave some <laughs> little gems in there for you. But uh, yeah, when I was looking at some of the stuff you do, and the name of the episode today is going to be Teach, Hustle, Inspire. I know you have a podcast that's named that. You got your website named that. And you got some dope clothes. I seen the merch that says that too. <laughs> so I, I like all that. And we'll make sure we put some links into that. We'll uh, to the that. website so people can look at that. But when you talked about graduating from HBCU, listeners might not know what that is. And mm -hmm. so what is that? Talk to me about that a little bit. It's Mecca. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Mm -hmm. And it is the particular HBCU that I went to is near and dear to my heart because it was a place that transformed Sean from a high school boy into a man that was ready to take on the world. The connections made there, the love that I was shown there, the first class education that I got there was second to none. 
I really, really loved the experience. I was broke the entire time that I was there, but I had so much fun. And I learned, I met my wife there and we have two beautiful children now. I have lifelong, as I mentioned, connections and my network is ridiculously strong. I've connected with other HBCU attendees and graduates. I always give back. I donate to my school. I'm still active and, um, and I pledge the frat there. I pledge Alpha Phi Alpha. Like it's ingrained in me. It is who I am and it is the reason that I have this level of success and I'm continuing to strive forward. It really is. Shout out to the HBCU graduates out there. Anybody that's graduated from one or planning on going to one, I think that the cultural, especially coming out here from California, right? We're really culturally diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of black people out here in California, just be brutally honest. We, there's not a lot of black people out here. So to be able to go to a school for us, by us. Correct. Essentially. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like for <laughs> us, by us, I think would change any young black person's experience going to school where the predominant people at the school are black, where it's not like that everywhere else. And I think that coming mm -hmm. from a place that doesn't have that diversity or coming from a place where you don't get to see a lot of African-American mm -hmm. instructors, especially college yes. professors, I think it just really changes the landscape, changes your mind frame about what you are capable of doing when you can see other African-American men and women that have their doctorate teaching you that's it. In class. I think that's powerful. So like I said, shout out to the HBCUs out there, graduates and people thinking about going. With that being said, let's jump right into what we was going to talk about. Teach, hustle, inspire. Yeah. Talk to us about MC. You said it means move the class. So what's that? Oh, man. So this, this is where we get into the good stuff right here. So, OK, when I was teaching at the K-12 level, I spent 10 years, as I mentioned, in the classroom, in the trenches, front line. But what I would do is I had a bit of a side hustle to supplement my income. And so I would teach during the day and I would be a DJ most nights and weekends or most weekends anyway. And so literally, like I would pull up to my school and I would have turntables in my trunk and I would leave school on Fridays and go from the classroom and hit the club, literally. Wow. And it was such a dope experience because I got to really teach and bring out the best and engage my students in the day. And then at night, I got to really spin records and create an environment and get the best out of the community at night. So, I mean, if you're talking the club, you're talking weddings, bar mitzvahs, if they were paying, I was going literally. Mm -hmm. So as long as I had my turntables and my Mac in my bag, what do you need? Here I come. Yeah. And so it was really, really pretty dope. And what I began to kind of understand about there were some similarities in my role as a teacher and as a DJ. Some of those similarities began to emerge and I began to understand that kind of the roles were more related than one might realize. So for example, like in the classroom, my job is to motivate my students and engage them. Mm. My job is to really create a learning atmosphere where they feel a reason to learn when I'm in the club. My job is to present those songs and music and give those people a reason to move, a source of motivation. When I'm in the classroom, I am a source of energy. I am a source of really what I call, I'm curating content, if you will. I'm taking standards and objectives, things that a lot of students can find boring, and I'm transforming it. I'm adding my own creativity to it. When I'm in the club, I'm doing the same thing, because if you think about it, if you're in a situation in a club and a DJ just plays a playlist, just it's a set, just list, and if there's no excitement, yeah, you might like the songs. Mm -hmm. 
but there's no excitement to it. There's no response to it. There's no real-time decision-making. When you add that level of creativity and personalization to that experience, it changes things. I'm sure you've been to a party where the DJ is just hitting on all cylinders and it's just like, boom, boom, one song after the other. And you're like, you can't leave. You know, you got to go, but you can't leave. Like, mm -hmm. like that's the type of energy that I'm creating with songs and with learning experiences. So I really merged those two to really come up with this model that I use to help educators. I grew up in New York, right? And specifically Long Island. And if you're familiar, anybody out there with 80s hip hop and R&B, one of the iconic duos of MC and DJ Eric B and Rakim. And so they had a song, Eric B is president. And around that second verse, Eric B, excuse me, Rakim is talking about mm -hmm. how Eric B on the cut, which is a metaphor for him scratching and mixing, no mistakes allowed because to me, MC means move the crowd. And so what that told me is when Rakim has that microphone in his hand, he said MC means to move the crowd. Like that's not a title. That's a responsibility mm -hmm. he has. I took from that my responsibility to be the MC and move the crowd as a DJ and to be the MC and move the class as a teacher. Mm -hmm. That's how that emerged. Love that, especially how you tied it all together with, you know, the song from Rakim and Eric B and, mm -hmm. and uh, being a hip hop head myself. My uh, uncle put me on the Rakim back in the day. All the East Coast music, I was listening to uh, Public Enemy. I was listening mm -hmm. to Mob Deep back in the day, you know, rest in peace, Prodigy. Prodigy, absolutely. And just being able to be in those environments musically like listening yep. to that and then seeing that you could bring that into the classroom that's awesome man just to touch on the, the thing that you were talking about with the dj so one night i think my wife and i were sleeping trying to go to bed and some dj somebody had a party right uh-huh yeah around the, in our neighborhood which we didn't get invited disappointed about that but anyhow <laughs> um, they had a full-fledged party going on and i wanted mm -hmm. to be mad but the dj was playing hit after hit after hit so i'm in the bed mad uh -huh. the music is playing, but he's playing slap after slap. I'm like, man, uh -huh. this dude, I was like, this dude is getting it. I mean, he's yes. playing a mix old. He's playing some new. He has some Michael Jackson. Then he'll go on and put some Drake on. Then he got some Prince playing. He, I was like, this dude is getting it. Yes. So to be able to bring that type of energy and curation to the classroom to get yep. people motivated is absolutely outstanding. Why do you think that connecting with the students is so important? Because without the connection, there's no learning. It's that simple particularly with students of color, mm -hmm. because of the way that we learn, because of how we're first introduced to learning, that zero to five time frame as far as our brain and development really dictates how we learn from five through 100. And when you realize that a lot of that stems from connection and relationships and you leverage that, that's when transformational learning happens in the classroom. So having an understanding of those things and then knowing how and when to use it, because a lot of times we teach the way that we were taught. Mm -hmm. I know that school for me wasn't always an enjoyable experience. A matter of fact, most of the time I was bored to tears and I was able to graduate in spite of certain things happening in the classroom, not because of certain things. The vast majority of people that look like me, though, if they don't have that internal grit, if they don't have certain things that have been put into place 
they're going to become victims of the system and fall through the cracks. That's why there's such a high dropout rate. That's why there's such a gap between the way that Caucasian students achieve and students of color. It really boils down to connections, 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 connections to the work, connections to the teacher facilitating that work, because it's that connection that is going to really bring out the best in what we call efficacy. The belief Mm -hmm. that you can do something is huge. That student doesn't have any belief. There's no effort. And there's no effort. There's no learning. And when you're speaking, I'm thinking about something I'm, you know, talking to my, and this is for parents. I know most of the listeners probably have kids or Mm -hmm. nieces, nephews, what have you. But I remember speaking to my daughter, she had gotten on a roll. And when we were talking, I was like, Hey, you did it this time. You, You got on a roll. This is what you said you wanted to do. And I said, what was the biggest difference between this time and other times? And she said, you always told me I could do it. Mm. She said, but this time I believed you. Bruh, listen here, man. (laughs) And she's telling me this and I'm thinking like, what kind of, because what we have to remember as parents is, I heard this before and I Mm -hmm. say it quite often, our kids' internal voice is mom and dad's external voice. And so if you, we're you telling didn't, you, didn't them, tell me, Emily, you didn't tell me you was going to start preaching on this. Oh, <laughs> you didn't tell me that, sir. You left I, that out, sir. I said, we're going to drop some gems in here on the people, you know, as, as my boy Tyrone always says, giving free jewelry. You know, we're going to lace people up, <laughs> give them a little free jewelry. But I mean, I like that. Like when you really think about it and you yeah. think about that, and I think about things that my parents said to me, good, bad, indifferent, whatever they yeah. said. But what they said is really what I thought of myself. And so being able to, to be conscious of that when we're yeah. putting that the messages out there to our kids is very, very important. And it's the same thing for educators. If you think about a, a child's waking hours, a good portion of that day, more than half of 60, 70% sometimes is spent in the classroom. And so if you go hearing or not hearing rather that you can do something, that you have the ability to do something that is significant with effort that you are going to put forth with the belief that you have or don't have in yourself. Like, well, why try? One thing that, uh, not to get too biblical on you, but the, you know, the verse is, as a man think of in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that we come back to the, the educators or to our students or to the relationship we have with our parents or student to parent, parent to student. And so much of that is on the self-belief that we give our children or not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's so important that relationship that the educator has, because there's some, I was talking about, talking about this the other day. I was like, there's certain people, like everyone has triggers, right? Mm-hmm. You have to figure out which triggers to pull or how to pull those triggers to get the most out of it, mm-hmm. out of someone. And I use trigger because, you know, we use an analogy of a gun. When you pull the trigger, the bullet comes out, right? And the bullet is going to hit a target. So how do we get the student, the parent, the educator mm-hmm. to find that trigger and pull it to get the most out of the student? And so I found this something trial and error that I do with my own kids. Like one of my daughters, if I tell her I'm disappointed in something she did, oh, that is, well, That's she it. does not want that. That's her mm-hmm. thing. My other daughter, I tell her I'm disappointed and she just kind of like, <laughs> you know, like she, she needs those positive words of affirmation. Like you can do this. You can do it. My other daughter, she's going to do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to disappoint me. But those are little things that educators have to figure out. Parents have to figure out and then working together to make sure that we're doing what we need to do for our children. Absolutely. And a lot of it starts with that recognition of that fact 
too often we go into this profession kind of similarly to how I think a lot of us become parents. We parent the way we were parented. We teach the way that we were taught. And we have to understand and be self-aware enough to recognize that sometimes things weren't always right. Doesn't make it bad. Doesn't make it good. It's okay. But it's all about improvement. Just because it was done doesn't mean we have to do it. My wife and I, we have conversations about that all the time, about differences with parenting style, with how we were raised versus how we raise our children. There are extreme number of similarities, just culturally speaking. But some things, you know what? I think we want to do this a little bit differently. And that's what it's all about. It's about having that consciousness and being aware of those things and why those things need to change. Absolutely. What are some success principles for educators? Like, what would you say are your principles for success for educators? A couple of different things. I operate off of the ideal of teach, hustle, inspire. It's not just a logo. Each of these words has meaning behind the word. So when we talk about teach, we're talking about how we essentially unlock our students' intellectual treasure. How can we get them from where they are to where they need to be? What is it that we need to do to unlock those jewels that are in there? A lot of times we might have, if you think of like a padlock, you know, those combination locks with the numbers on the side. And if you're talking about a five digit code, sometimes educators, depending on the level of success that they have, they might have the tools to give their students two, three of those numbers, Mm -hmm. sometimes even four. But when you get that last one and all those numbers line up and you can unlock that inside, that's when the magic begins to happen. And sometimes we only have two of those numbers and we're steady pulling on that top of the lock, stressing ourselves out when we really, we don't know what those other three key ingredients are. So it can be different from classroom to classroom and from school to school, depending on the circumstance. But we have to understand what it is that we need for those particular students that we are serving to unlock their intellectual treasure. That hustle, and this is how we do that. It's about that can't stop and won't stop learning. Kind of has that 90s Diddy bad boy vibe Mm -hmm. to it. What are we doing to increase our capacity as educators? We can't stop. And we won't stop learning because it's at that point when we stop learning that we stop growing. And when we stop growing, we die. And that inspire part, it means to spread love and light. In this work that we do as educators, it can be a thankless profession. And sometimes we feel like we're all we have. So we have to be conscious about pouring into one another, spreading love and spreading light, even when the world around us sometimes doesn't. We don't get paid enough. We're not recognized enough. And so we have to be in charge of pouring into and spreading love and light within ourselves in order to expect it from the world. I love it. I'm hearing teach, hustle, inspire. I'm hearing the love that comes with that hustle, 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 and then uncovering things through teaching. I'm like, I'm getting all those, those vibes that you're putting down. When you're working with parents, mm-hmm. and we talk about this sometimes, and I like to bring this up because I think sometimes parents, like as a parent, you know, being a parent myself, like first time I ever been to a parent teacher night was when I went as a parent to my kids. My parents never went to those, like this wasn't a part of what we did. Mm-hmm. What I'm asking though is how do you, like as a parent, 
Mm-hmm. How do you teach, hustle, and inspire the children mm. to be able to get to? Because I think sometimes what happens at home, like I, I've done this before, like, you know, my kids are getting ready to go to school and they didn't do something last night. So first thing they get from me is they get yelled at. <laughs> and I'm just being, I'm keeping 100 with you. Keep it all up. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not the only one that does that, but you know, the kids, they wake up. Now you're like, oh man, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. Now they're off their, one of their school, off on their way to school and they just had something happen. But how can we as parents teach, hustle, and inspire our kids to get them in the right mind frame who learn when they get to the school? A couple of different things. What you mentioned before, I don't want to glaze over that about the parent's external voice becoming the child's internal voice. Sometimes we have to recognize, though, that in that there is no set timeline, nor will there always be signals that what we're saying to our child is being received. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we pour into our children and we don't get those immediate results, even though we were in that same exact position and our parents told us time after time after time, doesn't mean it wasn't being received. It's just that a child wants to do what a child wants to do. And we have to continue to be resilient in our efforts. Similar to you, I have to understand myself enough to know that I have to be patient. And I'm not always patient, keeping it 100 in all circumstances as I would like to be. So that is something that I recognize about myself. I kind of bring it back to family matters, okay? Mm-hmm. Carl Winslow, three, two, one, one, two, three. What the heck is bothering me? Remember that? Yeah. So not that I say that, but the purpose of that is to stop and think, okay, hold on for a second. Being self-aware in those moments to recognize those things and realize, all right, let me pull back a little bit those types of things and just recognizing that what we are doing, it's not always going to give us the results when we want them, but we have to be persistent and understand that we are planting seeds that are going to grow. Bamboo. You're familiar with how bamboo grows. You already know where I'm going with this. I think, and and don't quote me, but you plant bamboo and you water it for years, five years. Before it, and then it just sprouts up all at one time. So, with that, it's kind of that same type of analogy. You keep watering that bamboo, knowing that it's going to grow. When it grows, it's coming out strong. It's one of the strongest substances that really grows from the earth. And it's that watering consistently that pours into that so that you get that strong result at the end of that. That goes straight into what I was going to like when I think about something I had heard before, I had heard some things are caught, some things are taught. Mm. So some things are going to be taught to your kids. They're not going to catch everything, Mm -hmm. but you teach them manners. They understand that you teach them how to hi. This is how you introduce to do that, this, that. But some things that your parents teach you are only caught. And you catch it as it goes by. <laughs> like, okay, what was that? Like, like I find myself doing stuff that my grandfather said, you know, if you're not going to turn right, don't drive in the right lane. There's no reason for you to ride there. That's where a lot of accidents happen. You take your eyes off the road, someone stops, so they're going to turn and boom, you hit them. I've saved myself so many accidents or so many things from things that was caught mm-hmm. that were taught from my parents that I didn't realize I was doing until later because I caught it in my mind. I didn't catch it at the time, but Later on, the actions that I had That's it. were the ones that uh, showed me that I did it did stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's where I want parents to be able to get that. And I'm saying this to parents, like the same thing that I would say to myself, that you just have to be able to continue to plant that seed, continue to water, continue to plant, continue to water, continue to plant, continue to water. And then those results 
will eventually come, but they won't come when you think they're going to come. Correct. Because I think all of us have done this, Sean. I think all of us have done this like, oh, that's what my dad meant. Yep. Oh, that's what my grandfather was. That's why my grandma said that. You know, like my grandfather would always say, look like, if you look like something like sagging pants was something big. Like I always wanted to sag my pants. I was just, that's what the kids <laughs> did. And my grandfather was like, boy, if you don't pull them pants up, I have to hear this all the time. So I couldn't sag. He just wasn't allowed. He just wasn't having it. Couldn't speak slang in the house. Wasn't allowed. Wasn't having it. He just didn't do that. Wouldn't allow me to do that. He would always say, if you look like someone, you act like someone, people will treat you like someone. Had no idea what he was talking about. No idea. Like, I didn't know what he meant. But now I find myself when I get dressed, I always try to make sure that I'm matching. I always try to make sure that I look nice when I go out or especially when I'm meeting with clients and stuff like that. And people always say stuff about the way I'm dressed. So I look like I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And people treat me according to how I'm dressed. I said, my grandfather was telling me all that. That's it. But I caught it later. You know, so that's what I was talking about. So power, the subconscious is, is real. It really, really is. Because you're playing, there's always stuff going and, and it feels like nothing's sticking. And it's like, you know, and then I hear my daughter say something that I like, I, this is a funny joke that we have at the house is like sitting here talking to my, uh, all of us have stories of our parents, grandparents, people that were influencing our lives. And uh, I said, these are the stories I tell about my grandfather. I was talking to, to my wife and I was like, babe, I, I got, I'm a dad story. <laughs> like I'm actually like, my kids are going to grow up and be like, dad used to do this. Mm-hmm. And this is what, you know, this is. And I was like, it's so important for us to be able to have those stories with our kids and make sure that they're not always negative. (laughs) Make sure we're not always like we celebrate their successes and we equip them with the tools that they need to be successful in this life. That is it. So let's talk about this. You got 99 problems, but self-care ain't one of them. Not at all. Okay, so so how do you make sure that you talk to us about self-care? Because I love you pique my interest with that. Let's do what you're talking about. It's essentially really what it's all about is you're familiar with an orchestra, all right? Mm -hmm. You don't wait till after the concert to tune the orchestra. Beginning of that event, the concert master is going to come up there and tune, play that note so that every one of those instrumentalists gets in tune and we're all on one accord. I like to make sure that I am in tune, particularly with the beginning of my day. For the most part, I get up about 5.30 or so in the morning and I take time to attune myself express gratitude, my affirmations, do a little bit of yoga, depending on the weather, I'll get outside and run a quick mile. But all of those things help to ground me and center me so that I can hit the day running and be my best self. And I found that the mental space that I am in as a result of that, it helps me to, especially with expressing gratitude when I write things, I got my, keep my journal like right here, just those types of those things that you really take the time to, you're investing that time back into yourself. See, yes, sir. When you come across people who have success as a part of their life, there are certain things that they do and I pick up on those things, caught and taught. You see what I'm saying? And so like I've incorporated those things into my life to be sure that I am not on the reactive side of taking care of myself. I'm being proactive. And so that includes watching what I eat. By no means a health expert, but I try to at least be conscious of those things. Like me and my wife, we're doing a green smoothie cleanse right now. So I've had nothing but a salad and a green smoothie today, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good as a result of it. I like the results of discipline. 
uh, from it. And it's really just taking the opportunity, again, more importantly, to be proactive with my health, with my mind, than being reactive. Because too often, that's what we do. We wait till something goes wrong to fix it. Yeah, you're so right. And we always put ourselves last on the list of things to do, right? Whether it's a budget, we always say pay yourself first. Well, you're making a conscious effort to make sure that the first thing that you do in the morning is take care of yourself. So I think that more people need to do that. We have to be able to to get ourselves together. We have to be able to make some sacrifices. And really what you said was the common denominator of success is people that want to be successful are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do. No matter who you are. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Like people say, well, I don't have time to get up and meditate. I don't have time to to read. I don't have time to to exercise. I don't have time. I mean, everything's going on and life is happening. You make time for the things that are important to you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make that time, then your body will make that time when they have you sick, when you're in the hospital, when you're having diseases pop up in your life because you didn't take that time to take care of yourself. That is it. So this has been great, man. I love this. This is good stuff. As you know, Sean, this is the Minority Money Podcast, and we are changing the complexion of wealth. What motivates you in the show? This one is Teach, Hustle, Inspire, but what motivates you and inspires you Mm -hmm. to continue to learn and grow? The possibilities. I know that there is just so much more out there than I've been ex- that I have yet to be exposed to, and the possibility of what is to come excites me. I really, really like where I am in my life right now because I've worked very, very hard to get here, but I remain extremely excited about the future. I get a chance to do keynote speaking engagements, seminars, and workshops, and work with teachers. I'm doing something that I love. That excites me. I wake up every day with excitement after years of doing this. I'm still excited to get up every day, but I know that there is so much more beyond where I am just because I haven't seen it yet. But every month, every year, I'm learning something new about myself. I'm learning something new about what the possibilities are, meeting other people who are in this space, but maybe further along and seeing some of the things that they're doing, it's exciting to me because I know that there are other things that have yet to be achieved. Good stuff, man. That's good. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? Yes, because it's not a part of the conversation in education, plain and simple. And because of that, too many of us come out of school not understanding what we are capable of not having the belief. We talked about that earlier, just like the belief that you can succeed, belief that you can be wealthy. We are a lot of times, for lack of a better phrase or or word, conditioned to just be an employee. If that's what you want to do, it's perfectly fine. You can have fulfillment being an employee and you can build wealth. I'm sure you can being an employee. It might take you a little bit longer, But I know that there are other opportunities that sometimes are just not a part of the conversation. So we are just left to believe that that is the only thing that you can do. But unless you're given some sort of a a fortune inherited to you or win the lottery or something along those lines, or too many of us are thought to believe that the only way that you can amass wealth is being an athlete or a singer or a musician. Yeah, it's true. And this is why it's so important for, I've said it on so many different episodes, but it's so important for children of color to see other people of color in positions of authority and power. Mm -hmm. It's so important for that. 
and the listeners probably say you say that almost every show because it's important. So if I'm if I'm so it is you're gonna get taught that or you're gonna catch it. That's up to you. Taught or caught. <laughs> That's to the listeners. <laughs> if you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners today, what would that piece of advice be? That piece of advice would be to understand that right now where you are is a result of your thinking and actions and habits. So where you want to be will also be a result in the future of your thinking and actions and habits. But you are in a position right now where you can change them. If you don't like where you are, change your actions, your thoughts, and your habits, and you will change the trajectory of your life, period. Amen. I would pass the offering to play around, but you know, <laughs> it'll be hard to get it all the way over there to the East Coast where you're at. But brother, that was good stuff, man. I love every bit of it. And if the listeners want to get some more of Dr. Sean Woodley, we're going to get more of you. at What social medias are you active on? Pretty much all of them. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Teach Hustle Inspire. I'm on Twitter uh, every day and Teach Hustle Inspire is too long. So I just use my name, Sean Woodley. Or if you just search the hashtag Teach Hustle Inspire, I'll come right up every time. And also www.teachhustleinspire.com. Teach, hustle, inspire. Excellent episode. I loved every bit of it. For our listeners, want to reach out to you guys once again about the iTunes review. If you're listening to this on, I'm sorry, Apple Podcast, if you're listening to it on that, please give us a review. Let us know what you think. You can also reach me at my email, and that's going to be emlin at minoritymoneypodcast.com. Please let us know what you're thinking. This is going to be the second month of our focus months. We had the month of January where we did all health and fitness. The month of February, as we're wrapping that up, was all education. Next month, we're going to touch on finance. So as the listeners are preparing for next month, please, if there's some topics that you want to hear me speak on, then let me know. Reach out to us. Like I said, that's Emlyn at minoritymoneypodcast.com. Also, leave us a review. I know that's a lot of calls to actions, but I got faith in our community that you guys will be able to help us out. Once again, Sean, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your story and your passion with my listeners. Thank you, Emlyn. I appreciate you having me once again, sir. Awesome. Until next time, this is the Minority Money Podcast and I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. We are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks but I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time, 